Good afternoon, Jacob. Afternoon. What's that? Another another podcast on the degree of doubt. Yeah, well, um, well, we missed one last week. We've been busy boys, though, haven't we? Um, busy boys, yeah. Um, going to festivals and having fun. <laughs> something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's been nice, but um, good, good to be back. Um, I think. Do we say now? Yeah, might as well. We're just gonna. We'll release this one, and then we're gonna have about a month break, and then we'll get back onto the podcast for all our keen listeners. Yeah, so I think we're gonna. We're going to call an end to season one, as it were. Um, take stock, work out what we're going to do going forward, and then um, come back at it in probably first week of September, probably. Oh, September already, it's scary. Yeah, well, I, I, I do want to say thanks for everyone listening. Like, we are getting like consistent like viewers and stuff all the way through. So, which is we're doing this for a bit of fun. It's really nice people are listening and engaging with it as always. So, that's really cool from everyone listening. So, thank you. Um, and yeah, we'll see you again in September. Don't miss us too much. I mean, I, I, I'm sure some people would uh, can't wait to stop hearing us, and there's others that might who would like to do. It. I've been enjoying it, but um, should we, right? Should we start our podcast subject, which is uh, why do people deny science? So yeah. lately, we've just had some really, really hot weather, mm-hmm. uh, and you still you still get people denying climate change. Um, we've also we're still sort of on the back end of like COVID. We've had people denying COVID, and that goes into vaccines. We have people denying vaccines. We've just been to a vegan festival. People deny the impacts that the uh, veganism or eating meat has has on on the world and things like that. So we're just sort of diving into a bit of loose, loose, loosely worded. Why, yeah, why do people deny science and what is their what was their reason? Well. Sorry, flat earthers as well. Flat earthers as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll write that one down. I was going to get onto that as well in a bit, but um, yeah. I mean, can I just actually, say from... I'll, I'll start off the flat earthers, then just as you brought it up. Oh, can I just cause... say before you jump into that, why, why, when I started thinking about this, why I think it's for me a really personally interesting topic, because yeah. um, those of you that don't know, part of my degree at um uni was philosophy and I'm I absolutely love my philosophy but one thing I've always said to people why I always rave about philosophy being an awesome subject is because it doesn't matter if you've like studied philosophy for your whole life or if you've never thought about it once if you're human and you experience life you have a valid opinion on what's morally right or wrong like questions of morality and like how we should behave as humans and the way the world is on a philosophical conceptual level you might be able to explain it better if you study philosophy, but your opinion is not more valid. If we, if I say taxation is a good thing, like morally is a good thing, or giving to charity is a morally good thing, that opinion is just as valid from me who has a degree in it as it is from you that doesn't have a degree in it. And that's why I love it. However, this subject really challenges that because I think it's really important we listen to scientists and we listen to the people that know their stuff. So it's like, I think it's a really interesting discussion this one that we're going to have hopefully much for my to challenge my own personal views on it's important that everyone can express their opinion but there are limits to that i don't know if you get me but yeah no i get it but because we also both think we also will both go by reliable information um and then but also scientists the first people to admit then they're not always right um, and maybe that's in, uh, that's probably an issue we're going to come on to. People think, well, they've got the wrong in the past. But they they all they say is this is what we know to the best of our knowledge. 
Um, because so, like you can't you can't always prove everything. If, if it's not possible, well, we scientists don't have are proven possible. wrong the whole time we as well. Aren't yeah, yeah. But as we were just talking about the flat yeah. earthers, I watched I did watch a documentary in over lockdown, and that was that was them following flat earthers, and they actually had actual scientists on it as well who was sort of like. It was hard for them not to sort of take take the mick a bit out of the flat earthers while they were giving their reasons. But the 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 bits of equipment and technology to prove that the world isn't flat has been used, and then the, what the flat earthers have then done have then bought that same bit of equipment to try disapprove, um, yeah, disprove that what what they've already found. And like in this documentary, they've they bought this. Um, I think it's like twenty, thirty thousand pounds worth of kit. It might be more than that worth of kit, and um, to show that the Earth rotates, um, and they got they got, they uh, they did that, and they're like, right, we we know how we know how to trick it and be able to show that it is flat Earth, and then that didn't happen. They're like, oh, that, that's okay, that that, that that hasn't worked. And there's another one where they're doing the light through the curve of the Earth, and yeah, that, that, showed, that one. showed the Earth wasn't flat as well. And they keep and they keep doing these things, and they keep they keep getting proven wrong by actual science, which they're saying the scientists are wrong. But then they're trying to use scientific equipment to argue their point, which I understand. If you are trying to prove a point, you are going to use it. But it sort of it seems a bit one ironic. issue, particularly with flat earthers, is that they go into it with not just like a theory, but they can, they go in like I want to prove the world is flat, and I will do whatever it takes to prove that, and ignore the evidence that says otherwise. Whereas good science, you come up with a hypothesis. You say, okay, I think the world might be flat, but you have to be open to the concept that it's not when you try and prove it. So, so I mean, scientists don't even bother doing that anymore because it's well known. But if you're like trying to prove, let's say a vaccine works, you go into it, you say, okay, we think this might work, but we're going to do tests because we need to find out if it actually does or not. You don't go into it with, we need to show that this works. And there's a difference in how you do scientific testing that makes scientifically makes science good because it goes into the it goes into these tests with the grounds that we need to prove it one way or another not here's what we need to prove and then we're gonna prove it yeah, get- yeah. um and but one one set one thing they said about the in that in that film that they were they were sort of trying to figure out why all these big groups are coming together and trying to disprove it and that and it all it suddenly then became a bit more like a community and I'm not going to say it's about all all of the subjects I just brought up, but some of the flat earthers, the ones that I've seen, they are a bit odd. They are a bit different, and maybe that part of that being community, being a community, and be, having those friends and friendships you can then bond with, maybe that's part of the reason they I think then that's start on. to get more and more invested in it because they feel they feel welcome and needed here, and that's part that's part of how how we are as beings we want to be with people we want to be groups and if you're being accepted into a group you go oh yeah i think i yeah these guys are nice they trick me nice oh they must be right um i'm sort sort of following that so i wonder that i reckon that has a a big thing to do with it as well i was watching um i was in the lead up to this episode i was watching some um bits about like psychologically why people like believe the things they believe and um, and I'm sure I can get, I've got loads of notes on all the, all the different reasons why we psychologically believe them. But one of them was exactly that. He said, 
He started off by saying, what you've got to understand is, is that we're trying to deal with modern day problems, big complex things in the universe, things like, I'm sure we'll get onto them, things like, yeah, climate change, like what does our earth look like? Things that the cavemen could never even begin to think of, but we're still using the same tools that we evolved with like um, 100,000 years ago. So we've still got the same survival instincts, things that made us run away from saber-toothed tigers and eat berries, are still the same tools psychologically we're using. And one of those key tools is community. We used to build community because we were safe in communities. And now our communities are different and we link, our communities are based on things like the religion we were brought up with or the politics we were brought up with or yeah, what our economic policies are, like all these things that we think. And so if you're brought up in a, lots of like flat earthers, for instance, are quite fundamentalist Christians. Like if you're brought up in a world that isn't or community that isn't overly scientific or isn't or has strong beliefs about the way God created the earth, for instance, or politics, for instance, and to then reject those premises, things like, oh, the earth is flat or climate change doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. And what you have to do is not only do you have to accept the facts, but you have to step away from the community. Exactly what you're saying. You have to break those links and those bridges you've built and that your whole personality is based off. And that's a challenging thing, I think. And yeah, so I think you get the nail on the head. And I, well, it's interesting you also bring up religion because, like I said, if you, if you have based your whole life around believing in a god or gods or or, or whatever, and in in the texts you are reading that they're they're saying this this is right because of this, and then so then the scientific community come along and go, well, actually, it's not. That's not how things happen. That's not that's not right. This is how it's happened. You're sort of well, you think, oh, you're going against my beliefs, um, and that's what I believed all my life. And pe- people are stubborn, aren't they? They like to be stuck in. Uh, they they believe in something all their life. They don't always like to change their minds because they've invested in it. And but yeah, it's hard. I'm, I, I've always said that about, for instance, uh, my grandmother, um, an awesome woman. She she's been a Christian since as long as she can remember, and she's 88 now. And not that she's ever really challenged it, but if she she's a she's a Christian, always has been. And I don't think there could be anything that would happen now at the age of 88 for her to decide she's not Christian anymore and not believe in God because her whole life has been dedicated, praying every day, reading the Bible every day, going to church every Sunday, donating to the church, everything. For her to psychologically reject that and say, actually, maybe there's not a God, for instance, then that that that, that hurdle is so hard to overcome there's no point even trying and, and i think that the same psychological principle applies to the things we're talking about well yeah well it's, it's exactly the same it's like probably like for me you it's like or it can be anyone listening it's like um for me it might be like a sports personality or, or someone else could be like a singer or a film star they really like and always followed their career and then it start then news starts to break that they've done something bad and it first of all you sort of go Oh well, maybe um, oh, people sometimes start rumors, and not everything's true. And then more and more stuff come out, comes out. Yeah. And it almost takes you a bit of a while to sort of accept that person that you really liked or admired is actually a bad person. So it's the same in this situation, isn't it? Yeah, and because it is, it's fundamental to. I, I, to be fair, I think that happens in politics quite a lot with like politicians we like. I think people are quite fundamentalist about. Like if they, for instance, if they, Brexit might be a really good example as well. Like people voted for Brexit for good reasons and reasons that were valid. Now, how many people do we know or listen to like radio shows 
but people aren't willing to accept that maybe Brexit wasn't good. <laughs> like, well, like they, they still deny the facts because they believed in something and they, they invested emotionally into it as well. And again, I, I think we've talked about that before. That's the issue of emotionally getting involved with things when you then take them personally instead of being able to take that step back and looking over everything and going, okay, yeah, I was wrong there. Oh, that, that, actually, that's right. Because again, it's it's it should be, again, I've said it before, it should be more acceptable to be wrong. And because and, everyone's wrong, like I said, some of the brightest minds who, who've ever lived on the planet have been wrong about, about certain things. Yeah. So it, it's just... No, and I agree. And I think this, the what, I mean, it goes back to one of my favourite quotes of all time, Aristotle, ancient ancient philosopher, who said, the wisest man is he who knows that he knows nothing. And he yeah. says, like, the wisest people are the ones that say, look, I this is what I think about the world, whether it's politics, philosophy, flat earth, climate and science, etc. But the wisest people are the ones, and this is what you said at the beginning about science, that science, by good science, all scientists say, this is true only to a point, we're 99% certain, because you can never be 100% certain of anything. You can't prove anything to 100 degrees of percent. Uh, it's not well, possible. It's like, it's like going back to other podcasts, prove prove that we're actually here and living. And like, you, yeah. We're all 99% sure we are, or most of us are. But well, that's the fundamental. We, we can't yeah. even prove we can't even prove we exist because our sense, the, the basis of all of that, of science, and this is what's really interesting about science, is that science, well, we didn't always have science. It was... They say that um, Socrates. Um, well, philosophers were basically the first scientists. Yeah, well, that's, they, they call Aristotle the first scientist. And it's because at the time he came up with this theory that the ancient Greeks were trying to work out how can we look at the world and make conclusions about the world. And most of them at the time were saying we need to like believe in gods and the spirits and like the elements and things. And that's how we can work out what's true. And Aristotle came along and said, no, what we could do is we can use our eyes and our ears and our taste and our touch to work out things. If I can feel something, then it's there. If I can see yeah. it, then it's there. And that's that was called empiricism. And that's what science is based off. Let's look at things, test it, and see if it performs under a test how we expect it to. And I don't know why we were saying this exactly. <laughs> I've forgotten already, but I've lost my train of thought. But the, the whole point of it was, was that... Um, I've lost, completely lost my train of thought of it. But yeah, but that's, what, how, that's, how, science, that's how science developed. Um, oh yeah, that was it. But they accepted, even in those ancient days, that our senses can be wrong. Like you can look at an optical illusion and see things that aren't there. You can you can feel things. You can hear phantom voices. You can all these things can happen, and we misjudge them because our senses are wrong. And so, if all of our science is based on what we can observe, and we know that our eyes can be misled, and even if we see it a million times, there's still that small degree of possibility that we're seeing it wrong. I think that's really yeah. interesting. No, same here. So yeah, well, that's that's a that's a bit to touch on it, and I said that all kicked off. We all kicked off from that from talking about the flat earthers. But um, I think we should go back to sort of that's probably what I've got the most notes written on is climate change. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's been so hot the last this last week. It's been uh, I'd say too hot, especially for the UK, which is not prepared. Not even um, yeah, and uh, luckily for listeners, they can't see that. Um, <laughs> um, um, and I was sort of looking into a few other reasons why people deny climate change because I think I I definitely know one or two people that do, um, and I think everyone sort of always has that weird quirky mate that does as well. Yeah. And and that could, I think that goes down to a lot of why we get a lot of misinformation. In, in many fields and it all sort of comes back to 
they're reading misinformation because people the big powerful companies in charge let's say for climate change is going to be the fossil fuel companies um they spend a lot of money on putting fake information out there denying uh denying uh the climate change um trying to change people's opinions on what they think about is actually happening um and i there's a quick fact i found and they reckon um in the, uh, they reckon it's estimated that the fossil fuel companies spend about two million dollars um i think that might be in a year to try and uh to deny climate change so again how how do really people fight that when they're seeing places that they they normally trust where the information is or just scrolling through something and it keeps building up and on and up yeah. and seeing all these little bits of information it's, it creates it's... like a, de- a degree of doubt <laughs> it yeah. creates like that's the thing if you see something enough times on your social media feed um, and one thing i saw um i saw a woman being interviewed in, again in the lead up to this episode and she's basically her whole phd her she's a doctor in it and why people believe stuff she said one thing with social media that's really interesting that conspiracy theories videos perform really well online because even people that don't believe in them are still interested in why like if a flat earth video comes up or uh particularly flat earth she was talking about but people click on those videos or like why don't you believe in climate science um or here's a reason why yeah any conspiracy theory like oh that we're being controlled by a new world order even if you don't believe in those things or like bush did 9 11 for instance then people still click on those and then social media algorithms keep showing them to people because people are clicking on them whether you believe even if you don't believe on it and so what happens is you get timelines just filled with this stuff and, even and, if- and that's the other thing if you if you like I said you click on it because you're like oh i might want to have a little laugh at this or see what they're saying and then you, you, could, you could go into the mindset of i don't believe this and then they could just say one thing that slightly catches your interest and then you go okay i might just watch i might just watch one more and then yeah, and, I, and I agree. And the thing is, even if it, even if you're someone, because I believe that no matter how many flat Earth videos I see, I'll never believe it. However, and same with climate change. However, if if I click on it, the way the algorithms work is that it shows someone that it thinks is similar to me those videos as well. So yeah. basically, the big system. So if someone someone that is more impressionable or younger, for instance, imagine like a twelve year old going on it. If you see it enough times, I saw a stat. It said that thirty seven percent. Sorry, yeah, almost 50%, actually, I think it was. I can't remember the exact number, but almost 50% of Americans um, think that the uh, climb, that the scientists don't fully agree. On, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Get my words in a muddle. Almost 50% of Americans don't think that there is um, consensus amongst the scientific community on climate change, but 97% of American scientists agree on climate change. So, like, we've got this huge disparity, and I think it must come down to things like social media. If you see it enough times just popping up, then you think, even if you don't believe that climate change doesn't exist, you might think, well, maybe there's some, maybe there is something in it, even if. Oh, it, it, it's again, it's and then if someone's you, know, you click on those articles and you see who they're written by, and like half the time they don't have a name who they're written by, or then you he says, oh, this is Doctor So and So, and then you look up what actual doctorate they've got, and they've got some doctorate in plants or like something like that and it's nothing to do with or just some some e- easy online yeah rather than a, a fully educated um someone who's gone to college or university pending america or uk obviously um i think so, this isn't the first time that this has sort of come up as well i was just I, as we're talking about i've just covered down when 
what, 70 years ago, people, it was advertised that cigarettes were good for you and do doctors would prescribe cigarettes. And it reminded me when you were saying about big fuel companies spending millions of pounds to uh, promote uh, yeah. fossil fuels and, 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 and climate. Same with cigarette, and, cigarette companies. And, 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 things like, and things like that, that, that they actually had paid off doctors to, to, to advertise it, isn't helping us in a way of telling people to believe in science because they're like, oh, they're, they're all going to be corrupt and wrong. But I do, not always, but I do find, on well, my sort of opinion, I find most people are actually in science who, um, again, they want to make money. Who doesn't want to make money? Everyone wants to be rich. Well, but Everyone's got to look after and pay for their families, but bread on the table. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're not in it just to lie to people. They're, they're, scientists tend to be very... Uh, fact-driven they want to they want to know the truth they want to um they want to find out more things they want to experiment and and, and, Some, and all sometimes that. sometimes it's not and we know quite a lot about the meat industry from our research but like the meat industry for instance fund lots of scientists and scientific companies to do research to prove that a meat is like how many there's loads of scientific research that says that actually meat is good for the environment like yeah. eating meat is good for the environment but we like and i'd encourage people to go watch cowspiracy i always would on um on netflix like there is so much science that says that it's good for the environment when the when the the broad complete scientific consensus is that it's not and i think one of the yeah. reasons is is because lots of like meat companies fund programs and now if you're a scientist working on a program that's funded by the meat industry you can't come to a conclusion that says the meat meat is bad for your health, meat is bad for the environment, and those two things have been proven. Because if you I, come to those conclusions, you've got no funding, you don't have a job. And, and I, I think the other important thing is there, is, again, when you sort of having these arguments, they go, oh, well, look, I've got this one study here that proves you're wrong. I go, okay, but I've got 10 studies here that prove me I'm right. Yeah. So if I'm going to do some simple maths, I'm there's, there's a high percentage that those 10 highly qualified people are going to be right rather than that one qualified and highly qualified person he, he, one of the guys that was on cowspiracy he went on joe rogan's po podcast didn't he and he explained how science can be manipulated even when it's technically correct an example he gave was a load of study or two studies were done to see what red meat would do to your cholesterol and what it showed was it was something like 70 percent of the tests done showed that there was couldn't be weren't conclusive it wasn't good wasn't bad for your cholesterol okay and then it was 20% of the tests said it was bad for your cholesterol and then 10% of them said it was good for your cholesterol. So what the, what the meat funded um, industry, well, what the scientific uh, group did that was funded by the meat industry, they released their article saying 80% of stu studies show that meat is either good or, or good or neutral for your cholesterol. Now that sounds amazing. Meat is 80%. 80% proven it's good or neutral. Actually, what he said is you've got to twist it on your head, on its head, because it's 90% of them showed it was bad or neutral. And both those statements are true. But if you were told 80% says that yeah. red meat is either neutral or good for your cholesterol, you'd go, okay, there's nothing wrong with eating meat because science agrees. But far, double the amount of them <laughs> agreed, uh, double the amount of them said it was bad for you compared to said it was good. So we have this really interesting thing that it's not always about just coming up with fake science or using like bad science to prove something so you can use good valid science and still manipulate the figures and, and, and that's the thing with figures and percentages you can you can like i said like you said there you can often twist them to make your, your your sound good it's like it's like in a football it's like, it's like in a football game for example i'm just gonna stick to football because it's easy for me to 
um, but it's like, oh, if you, if you said your team had 60% possession, 12 shots on goal, um, you think, oh, yeah, that sounds, sounds quite good. And then, but then you look at the final one, you're like, and you could you, you just ignore that, but it's like, oh, you lost 1 0. It's like, okay, well, those those stats don't really mean anything. But yeah, so, what, what get... stats matter? Yeah. Or, or like, and that's the thing, like, again, how many times have we seen a team win a football game with 40, have less possession, but they've had more shots on target? Like, yeah. you can say, oh, they only had 40% possession. Yeah, but the other, but they had heart, they had double the amount of shots and double the amount of goals. And it's like, what stats really do matter? What things are important? And things can be twisted. Um, but what, 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 while we're talking about like the vegan vegan community side of things and also the climate change, they they they, they are linked. But and we we talked about the money, um, but that also feeds into our, our political system as well because political backers want to be backed by money, and we sit by the Conservative Party as well at the moment. So if these big if these big boys from the meat industry, the climate industry, all that are wanting to keep control, which I think a lot of it down to, is down to money control or money and power, um, then they're going to fund these politicians to get in power and they're going to, by them doing that, they're going to go, OK, we've been giving you money, so you now need to... 100%. Nice. You need to look after us now. So, um, oh, yeah, this new this new uh, greenhouse gases we have to get them down by so long let's just push that back a bit more oh let, let's let's not release this new information that we found out about I think, how like, impacting... I think that that's particularly true i think trump's a really good example of that how he was obviously had a lot of funding from like fossil fuel industries but his main running point was that i'm going to improve the american economy and then if you basically then get a big like fuel company come in and say look we're going to give you x amount of money to do build all these factories build all these drilling plants we're going to create tens of thousands of jobs if your priority is to create those jobs because that's what you ran on then you then keep peddling the lie that that fuel is not harming the environment because because you've got to be seen to be succeeding at something else well that, and, that, that, that that's yeah. the other thing people are very short short vision don't they so they see things that they want exactly. now or in a year or two but they don't very rarely people are looking 60 70 100 200 years down the line one because we're not sure if we'll be here um because like i said you can walk out walk out door tomorrow tomorrow and be hit by bus or um etc etc et so it's a lot easier to see the short the short rewards and someone saying yeah like i said about donald trump said yeah we can get the economy better we can get more people in the jobs that means everyone else in in the country is going to have more money you think brilliant that's going to be great whereas in sometimes things like climate change and eating vegan you're saying oh look you have to we're, we're gonna have to stop we're, things are going to get harder because we have to stop using fuel we have to stop eating meat and that's going to make a difference on what you eat that's going to make a difference of what you can drive and how easy things are going to be and you think well that's making my life harder why do i want to make my life harder my life's already my life's already difficult um so why why do i want to do that and that's going to have a big that comes, it's really interesting you've raised that as well, because that was one of the other um, psychological, at the beginning I said about the tools we're using are the ones that we evolved with to survive in the hunter-gatherer society. And one of them that the psychologist, psychologist was explaining was that um, there's two big factors there that you raised. It's one, we have an optimism bias. So as humans, we tend to pick the, op we tend to assume that we're going to be all right. So things like car crashes, we know they happen, but we don't think they'll happen to us. Or like, so we always have this bias in our head that bad things happen, 
but they won't happen to us is the first thing. And the second thing is that we, we um, for a survival mechanism, have a thing called immediate threat bias. So we care about things that immediately threaten us, i.e. a saber-toothed tiger in front of us, let's run away because it's going to hurt us. But if it's a, um, a more conceptual threat, like the ozone is deteriorating and we're going to burn to death, we can't grasp that because it doesn't seem to be an immediate threat to us. Yes, it was hot those last two days, but that's not going to kill us. It might eventually, we might get skin cancer from it, or it's going to kill our children, or the world, or the world's going to die in, in 100 years. And I think these things, because we are still using those tools to survive and work out what's important, and things like the environment, like you say, they're, they're things that are going to affect us in the future, or they are affecting us, but we're not seeing them. Yeah, or we're not seeing them rapidly as well. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's a gradual thing. So if it, every year someone gets a degree or two hotter, probably not going to notice it but whereas say it was an instant thing people might be oh yeah we need to do something now and i said and because people don't people don't notice it as much i read i read a book recently and i can't remember what it was called it was by matt, matt haig um oh, what was it called but it was basically about a man who um he could basically he lived for 800 years 800 years and the vast majority of the population lived like a normal lifespan he realized things like that because he saw them he saw them like in Shakespearean times and then he saw how things changed over 800 years instead of 70 years which is all like 80 years which is our normal lifespan so he saw those dramatic changes in human psychology in politics in um in the environment because and i think if we lived for 800 years or let's say we live for a thousand years we probably would be more conscious of the environment because a we'd see it change but we'd also think it's going to affect us so we well, would how many times you talk about someone with the environment and go oh well i won't be here anymore so it won't affect me and i'm thinking yeah but you've got kids and grandchildren and things like that so do you not want them to be all right and it's kind of and again people are selfish in that way because it's going to impact them and make their life more difficult mm. yeah, and, and a bit like you're saying about um you don't see it the psychologist that i was watching like keep referencing he said like let's say for instance we've got sea levels rising and let's say we've got like polar bears drowning because they haven't got there's no food or anything because the sea levels are rising the ice caps are melting he says we don't we don't want to act on that as much if we were walking down the street and we saw some puppies in a box and a water level was rising we would run over and pull them out and save them because it's directly in front of us we're seeing it happen quickly and instantly it's a direct immediate threat that is happening in front of us whereas that is exactly what is happening in our world just on a bigger scale in other parts of the world um and like we're very lucky that we live in like a western country with lots of money lots of like protection and provisions but we've got millions of climate refugees people fleeing the southern hemisphere because there is wildfires there's sea levels rising there's famine and they're seeing it but we're not as much because we could go to the, we go to tesco's and there's still food on the shelves yeah yeah no i agree um go on to the last i told you wrote four four ones down and the other one i find probably a bit more a yeah a bit more difficult subject to of why people just struggle with it so much is like things like vaccines again so much misinformation about it but the, it doesn't seem to be like the climate change and the vegan movement. There doesn't seem to be this massive companies behind them who who are going to be funding the vaccines, apart from 
so, such things as like the media when they're trying to sell money and that might just be it that might just be how big our media is now mm. online presence etc that they're trying to get more of a debate and stir so people are going on but yeah that's another thing that's affecting people's lives because the amount of misinformation for vaccines is crazy and the things about vaccines that is killing people right now yeah that is um but people still really deny and, and again i've got people that i know and they're they're really nice people and you can have a conversation and then you get to this subject and they're like no no that's all rubbish you, you should watch this and listen to that and and you sort of say to me like well yeah but the person who's telling you who's got no qualifications whatsoever why why are you believe in them and you never really get a straight answer out out of them it's, it's the classic i've done my own research it's like have you though have you done the tests <laughs> have you or have you just gone yeah. online and, and read stuff um i think it's really interesting and i think this it comes on to i think this more applies to this that um one of the final psychological sort of phenomena we have is that we tend to almost all of us tend to look at new issues or new problems or new debates through the prisms of the beliefs we already have so i think one thing about the vaccine one that really and particularly in america tr trump fueled it up is that there was created this conspiracy that the governments are out to control us and out to manipulate people and there's this new world order etc etc and if you already now I'm, I'm critical of the government at times and um, I probably wouldn't go that far if you already believe that there is this new world order or there's people in positions of power trying to control and manipulate everyone and when things come out from the governments and from Bill Gates that say look I've created this vaccine we're going to save you and if you're looking at it through the prism and not with fresh eyes but looking at it through the prism of already believing those things and that fits in really easily to your whole concept that you're being controlled and manipulated I think that's a really hard psychological thing to try and overcome as well how do we look at things fresh and new and unbiasedly without using our conscious and unconscious bias on the off yeah yeah no I, I agree so I was just trying to find a quote and I can't remember what you said about talking about our own research and I, I can't remember what the um, American, I think it was PAN, isn't it, in America, the American Health Organization, or, or, I can't even speak now, the uh, American Health Organization, there we go, finally get it out, um, and because I remember listening to the radio sometime, and um, it, someone phoned up and said, oh, I do my own research, the next caller said, um, yeah, so, so PAN spends like £600 million a year, has thousands of staff every day doing yep. research, you're telling me you do more research than them. It's kind of like, yeah. right, good one. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say on that, and I forgot it. My brain's not working today. Yeah, I, I, it's really interesting. Um, but the interesting thing about this as well, and this is where I think we've got to be ultra-critical, is that all these things that we've explained, why people don't believe in stuff, also apply to us about why we do believe them. Like, I'm, I'm a big advocate, or we're big advocates of looking at, um, trusting scientists using the latest research and things which means that when more science comes out we already have that I'm looking at it through the prism of I trust scientists and so yeah. we and that's where you've got to go why do you believe something and understand those things and then be are you happy that that's the reason and be self-critical of your own views for those exact same reasons because little things yeah. like maybe climate change maybe the reason I believe in climate change so much is because comes back to that community thing like my community just might be different to other people's communities it's not a religious community it's not a political community it's a global community of people that are suffering and it's almost like the same psychological reasons for believing for or against something why do we believe it and 
I, I, I still always go back to I always I think this sort of, I, I know I've said this in the podcast before it always sticks with me but I, I still always remember being at school and saying if you if you're proving it if you're um so say you're in class if you if you come in with a bit of information you have to then prove where it's come from so you have yeah. to reference it and you've done the same in uni when you reference something you've got to show is it a reliable source where's it come from um etc and then and it's, it's uh, and the same as soon as i read something online i'm going, oh, not sure about that or i go oh I never that's really interesting and never, never thought that i'll have a quick look and just see who it's by um and who is written like which company's released it who's who's it written by and then all you have to do is you can see who's written by quickly type into google see if they're actually credible or not yeah and, again, and, and that, that only takes a few minutes but again that's People, a few minutes that people don't like spending because that, that is the thing with social media. Is if that you found something that aligns with your beliefs, if you already are doubting climate change and you read an article, I think I've had this debate with people. I remember when like Seaspiracy came out that basically was really critical about the fishing industry. That I had lots of people that I spoke to that liked eating fish who then found an article that basically said why Seaspiracy was all wrong. And the thing is, the person that wrote that article, a bit like you were saying, was completely discredited in science was funded by the fish industry, had loads of reasons to make them bias, but because people wanted to carry on eating fish and didn't want to challenge their own personal views, they then basically promoted this, shared it on their Instagrams and stuff, without being critical of what it was, because it already aligned with what they already thought, and therefore, why challenge it? I already and, think this, someone else is saying this, I'm going to promote it. And, and that's the other issue with fake information, once it's out there, it's already done that bit of harm. There's, n- there's no guarantee that the person who's seen that fake information is then going to see the, re- the the correct information that then gets put out after that. Um, I, remember I remember at school, and a bit like you reminded me of it, I remember my A-level history, one of the key skills was we, we did um, the Norman invasion of England in 1066. And we had to write about our conclusions about what we thought about the times and things that were happening. But what, what happens in the exam and shout out to Mr. Kempton who taught us this. He um, would basically give us five sources, and this is what was in the exam as well. And those sources were from usually people at the time, so like bishops or like um, servants of the king and stuff like that, and monks who basically write who invaded who, where the battles happened, and who was victorious and, and, and things like that. And a famous example, a source might be the Bio Tapestry, which shows, I don't know if you know this, but Harold Godwin, who was the king of England, with an arrow in it, famously got shot in his eye. So one of, the, one of the things you raised was, well, did he actually get shot in his eye? What you did was you got all the sources and then you scrutinized them for their own bias. So the Bayo Tapestry was basically made um, for the Normans after they were victorious. So it was showing the Normans as these amazing invaders and brilliant soldiers and showed their greatest victory. Of course, that's bias, like because it was made for a partic- by a particular person for a particular person to celebrate a particular event. Yeah, what yeah. You and then they even had sources in there from like modern day historians. And we, one of the classic arguments was, well, a modern historian actually has some advantages because they're not Normans, they weren't Saxons. And they've also got the, the whole of time to like assess stuff with. That makes them a good source. But what makes them a bad source is that they didn't see it firsthand. They're relying on other people's sources. They've got their own political opinions. They might have been socialists or conservatives. So when they're writing about history, they write it through those lens of those. So no source is 100% good or bad and you can't just take one person's view on it and it's about getting this broad range of science and I think it's a really interesting way the way we analyze sources and I agree with you one big problem is people see something and they run with it 
Yeah, t- yeah, totally, totally agree with everything you just said there. Really, I've got um, some. Um, I've got a couple of questions for you that, mo- like, based on everything we've just been saying, I've been scribbling them down. Like more okay. sort of moral questions about what we do about this, or what should society do about it? Can I can I give you one? Yeah. So, um, uh, I guess like, we've sort of answered that first one. So the second one I've written down was, and the third one's probably more interesting. But should we should people still carry on trying to disprove? "Quote unquote proven science." I know that it's dangerous having people on, like, talking about flat Earths constantly. But is there anything wrong with small groups of people continually trying to prove that it's that the Earth is flat, or trying to prove that climate science isn't real? Do you think there's any harm? No, Do- I don't. No, I, I, ne- I never, I never, I've never had an issue with people trying to disprove things, um, and I think that's healthy because, like I said, if you, if it is wrong, it needs to be dis- if it's something even stuff that's if, almost if, universally if, agreed. If we believed in everything science had already said first time round. We'd be living in a totally different world and believing totally different things. Um, so, 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 what is what is the harm? So, I guess that's we've been talking about how harmful it again, is that we've been spending. Again, I, think, some... I think I think the difference is there's, there's difference to trying to disprove it and saying, okay, I, I I actually agree with what they're saying, but we need to put as much evidence into it as possible. And the way to obviously try and sort of make it not discredible is by saying, yeah, we can't we can't disprove it. In that, that is, that is and there's probably there's probably almost something as well in that a lot of the examples we've used like fuel companies donald trump and stuff it, it, the vast majority of people that control these sort of narratives and come up with these conspiracy theories probably don't even believe them themselves but they benefit from it they yeah benefit. so it's like the fuel companies the, the, I, I doubt that the people that run those fuel companies are extremely intelligent they've got a lot of science behind them but they're doing it because they not because they care about the truth because they think that the climate cha- climate change isn't real and we need to tell everyone they're doing it because they're going to make a load of money off it and it's the layman it's the people that are more ignorant yeah let's say that in a nice proper way i just mean people that aren't scientists that then actually believe it and actually end up going on demonstrations and protests about it so how how do you go about when you meet say when you meet um uh, somebody who denies climate or vaccines how do you go about talking to them what's what's your what's your method yeah yeah it's hard i think it really depends i think because it's important that we talk to the people about it because like you say if people destroy the environment that's my mine and my family's like problem we're all going to suffer i think i think there's a distinction because i think one thing i really found interesting reading about is um lots of like black communities in america and britain and europe didn't take the vaccine and that's because historically there's been lots of cases where basically scientific tests or drugs that weren't properly tested were given to all black communities yeah. and people suffered from it. So there's a lot of suspicion. And I get that. And I think that's very different. Um, so I think, first of all, you've got to listen. I think this is true in any debate. You've got to listen to what someone's saying, understand why they don't believe in something before you then challenge it. Because for yeah, some... no, I, and I agree with that. And, and those actual opinions, like the vaccine about sort of the, the uh the black communities you can understand that there's actually a good reason behind it why they are worried and concerned about it um but then it's also very quickly you can just point out how many how many the, the white communities have taken up in massive numbers of taking the vaccine mm. but then again you still got the argument there that oh how do we know we're getting the same one and it, it, but at least that's <laughs> like a, at least if anything that's a fair argument but in a way because I also think it's a lot of time. It's like I don't know about you, but sometimes you've got to pick 
pick your arguments and things like that because if you just meet around and you disagree with you, are you going to change their mind straight away? No, just be nice. Just sort of I'll be nice. Though. Just sort of be nice to them and be like, oh, that's not what I think. And you give a little reason and then sort of change the answer. And then that might just make them, that, that probably won't change their mind, but that might just put something in their head going, oh yeah, these guys that think that aren't that bad. And or, Yeah, I also think that you've got to recharacterize, and this is where I think I've changed a, a bit as I've got older, is that particularly these things where you've been lied to by the industry. So for instance, like the meat industry or the cigarette industry, for instance, maybe 70 years ago, I, you have to characterize that the vast majority of people you meet won't be the CEOs of fossil fuel companies, won't be the CEOs of a milk industry. So what you've got to understand is that they are victims of much of like the lies and the conspiracy theories as anyone. If someone's, they, they, yeah, they, they are the con from the con. con they've, been, they've been conned by the con man. And it's important that we don't, and I've been guilty of this, just lay into those people because they've been conned. Like people have been lied to about a vast majority of things. And whether it's been a deliberate lie or just because there's so much stuff on social media, I think it's really important that you treat that person in a non-condescending way as a victim of that of that lie. And I think yeah, that's how I, that's, I agree. that, that and again, helps. And again, it can be difficult to to discuss in that way. Keep keep calm, relax. But yeah, and I do I do definitely think that. So I think one of the best examples of this, and anyone that knows us will know that this is our opinion anyway. But like. I obviously went vegan like two and a half years ago and or and one of the key things there was was realizing that an animal had feelings <laughs> like we all know that animals have feelings but then to really so we've been lied to so much that it's okay to slit a cow's throat or to put a pig in a gas chamber and they die in horrific pain and what you got to understand is that we've been brought up with meat and dairy the whole time we get bacon put on our plate and we don't associate that with the pig and the the individual that was murdered for that food and i think it's really important that you understand the reason people still eat that stuff because everyone i know all of my friends are against animal cruelty but they haven't put two and two together yet because they've been lied to and it's been reinforced over and over again i think yeah. that's a really good example of how that, that sort of psychological switch can happen in someone's brain and over time like you say plant seeds reinforce harm eat environment earth whatever is doing well, I think we've I think we've done quite well to um, do so many podcasts and not really talk about veganism much until now. So I think that's quite <laughs> oh, that's it's quite coming, it's coming. I think it's brewing. A big one's brewing. Um, <laughs> I've got I've got one more I've got one more question for you that I'd written down. Yeah, do you think we should have? And this is quite an open ended question. Should there be or could we morally justify laws that force people to comply with? agreed upon science should we have laws that force people to be environmentally friendly should we have laws that force people to have vaccines things like that should, no, should... I, I think i think we've discussed this as well before um and so i'll, I'll keep my answer short and sweet because i'm pretty sure we've answered this before but no people shouldn't be forced to think a certain way and do certain things even, but like... even if their opinions are harmful and this is for me the challenge that if you being unenvironmentally friendly or you not having the vaccine results in people dying from climate change or results in people dying because you pass on a disease. I think I know you 100% agree, agree with me as well. And, <laughs> no, I do. But, the, but don't, you, don't you see that as like liberals, this is the challenge that we, we want to protect people. We have laws against, let's say, we have laws against smoking inside or smoking around children because we harm them. 
We yeah. do have laws that say, look, you can't do these things, even if you think you should be able to, because they harm other people. If you choose not well, to recycle, you're harming people. Like I said, there's going to be there's going to be extents, isn't there? It's just like now you can't drive certain vehicles in in congested areas, or and then yeah. there'll be a point where you can't even drive a petrol diesel car and, and things like that. So there will be points where you won't be able to do it. Um, and it's like, well, it's like you can't go and you're not you can't go and poach elephants, and you're not meant to well. Um, you're not meant whaling's meant to be illegal and things like that. So there, there are rules and laws that are in place that really stop it. But it, it's so. But why not on these issues? Is what I'm saying. So if we're okay well, with there are like... some on, there, there are some on these issues, but they're not. You can't, you can't ever make having a thought illegal, can you? That, that, that's. I guess, I guess that's the difference. If, if, not, about... if not, everyone's going to be locked up because you I can't agree. Thought, thought crimes. Yeah. 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 I, I just think it's a really interesting challenge, right? And I always wonder if it's because we accept it. It's so, what we're saying is not in, in our current society, it's not an acceptable belief to think to, to smoke around children. Like, no matter how much you want to do that, you're not allowed to. And I wonder, but if the climate is re, like the climate is dying at such a rapid rate, why don't we have laws that stop people doing harmful things to the environment? I do. I know there are certain things like, but I'm talking about why don't we have laws that force people to recycle? Why don't we have laws that force people to drive electric cars? Well, again, that's all going to go down to money and power, isn't it? We don't have the money just to suddenly go, oh, everyone has to have an electric car. Right, okay, how is everyone affording this electric car? Yeah, true. I think that's, and I think that's what's really interesting, actually, probably about the environment crisis, is that it's so multifaceted that there isn't a simple solution. We can, we can reduce lung cancer by reducing smoking, there's not a one. There's not one thing we can do for the environment to save it. Oh well, no. You, you think about the climate. There's loads. There's travel industry. There's the, there is the meat industry. There's the fashion industry. Um, uh, and they're, they're probably the three big ones. But yeah, it's like it's like you, 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 almost, you almost have to hit all of them, but or one of them. As soon as you start leaving one person out, you go, well, that's not fair. You did it on them, but not not yeah. not me. Or do not me, not them. So, yeah. yeah, it's almost like an impossible solution. Yeah, well, I think I've got everything out I wanted to say today. Yeah, the, my, my weekly therapy session's gone well this week. Um, so as we said at the start of this episode, we're going to be off for all of August. We're going to have a summer holiday, um, have a little break from doing the podcast, but we'll be back in September. This might be an awesome opportunity to let, let us know if there's any topics uh, people want to hear. Is there anything you particularly want to talk about? Is there issues that you think we could do or or anything more generally we could do to make the podcast more engaging? Is there... Anyway, I don't know. We can include people or we can, I don't know. How can we change this to make this more interesting for you guys? But yeah, also topics because we always find a topic from somewhere. Don't miss us too much. No, don't miss us too much. Cool. Well, should we wrap it up there, bro? Sounds good. It's been an absolute pleasure. So until September, it's been Degree of Doubt.